0: Well, I guess at this time, there's a lot of different questions that go through your mind. There might be questions like, how can you keep Abby Margak away from a microphone? (laughs) So gorgeous, isn't it? Maybe there's questions like, um, am I going to find a parking spot? Um, Did the car down the end of that row see that spot before I did? Uh, Perhaps questions like, Will the West Indies ever really become a powerhouse in cricket as they used to be? Lots of questions come to mind. But this series is uh, about questions of Christmas, things that uh, we explore at this time of the year. And last year, uh, last week rather, Jess spoke to us about um, will I accept God's destiny? Destiny, and it focused on Mary's role in the Christmas story, and just pointed out that accepting God's destiny. It's really about the decision to obey God, not in the details of the what and the how. Today's question that we're exploring is, will I obey when things don't make sense? Will I obey when things don't make sense? And this is a question that we often wrestle with. When something appears logical and clear and we understand its value and its purpose and we can see the end result... Then it's easy to follow and obey, but that's not always how things go. We don't always have that clear understanding and uh, things can just appear nonsensical at times. So will I obey when things don't make sense is what we're exploring this morning. When we were uh, exploring Mary's role in the Christmas story last week, there's no doubt about it that she had a very clear calling right from the start. The angel said to Mary, you will give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. Now to me that's pretty clear. There's no uh, uncertainty about that. That's what was going to happen. She was a central character in the Christmas story. But this morning we're exploring Joseph's role in the story. And perhaps by comparison you could say that he was a minor character in uh, in the story. Even some traditional kind of Christmas pictures have Joseph standing in the background with the spotlight on Mary and Jesus. We have a, a nativity scene, some little wooden figures at home that um, I think are probably mixed up now with Ariel and Barbie and a container that's been put away many, many years ago. But it used to be a, a, a situation where when we get them out at Christmas time, You put uh, the manger, you put Jesus, you put Mary, and then you think now, which one's the shepherds and which one's Joseph? You can't really tell. And uh, that's often how it is with Joseph, that his role is not as defined and we don't really know who he is and what his role in the whole story is. And in one sense, Joseph was caught up with Mary's calling Mary had this very clear calling, you will have a son and you will name him Jesus. And Joseph got caught up with that. And by the time he heard from an angel himself, he'd already been wrestling with, well, how does this work? I'm trying to get some sense out of this. Trying to um, figure out something that would have been very confusing for him. Uh, Unbelievable, a bit of a far-fetched story perhaps. And certainly way out of the realms of reality. It didn't make any sense for him. And he was trying to work out what to do. Mary is mentioned often in the Bible. She was there obviously during the events leading up to the birth and the birth of Jesus. She was there when Jesus performed his first miracle. She's mentioned during Jesus' time of ministry. She was present during the crucifixion. And she was also in the upper room after Jesus had left and gone to heaven. And the disciples were gathered praying Mary and Jesus' brothers were there as well. But there aren't many facts recorded in the Bible about Joseph. He's mentioned only in respect to the events around the birth of Jesus, their flight to Egypt to escape Herod, who was after Jesus to kill him, and then the return to Galilee. And some Bible scholars even suggest that Joseph possibly had died before Jesus started his ministry The last reference to Joseph is when Jesus is 12 years old and he's preaching in the temple. So in a way, as I mentioned, Joseph is like a secondary character in the play. He's like the support role for the leading lady who had that definite calling from God. And I guess there are times when we find ourselves in the same situation where we see ourselves more as a support role to someone who has a main calling on their life, a clear direction on their life, some vision, something to work for and to strive after. And we just seem to be the one who's drawn into their calling without any clear um, calling of our own. And it can make no sense at times. How do I get caught up with this? What's my role? What's my part in all of this? But when we look through the Bible, we often see that God's ways don't always make sense in our thinking. You think of Noah and his family. Noah had this calling to build this ark, and uh, you could imagine that his sons and family were caught up in all of Noah's calling. I wonder how the conversation went, where Noah would go home and say to the boys, "Well, guys, you know how you always wanted me to help you build something. I've, I've got the solution." Um, and he might say to, uh, to his wife, honey, you know, you know you always wanted to have a waterfront view. I've got, I've got a bit of a plan here. Or to another son, well mate, you know how you've always asked for a pet? I've got an idea. <laughs> and it makes no sense to them, but it's his calling. Or what about to Abraham? He was called to leave the country that he knew, the land that he knew, and move to some promised land, some vague idea of something out there. Across the desert that was his calling but he took his wife and his family and servants and a whole lot of people with him they got caught up in his calling and that may not have made any sense and um, people might have been saying well we've just got to follow this guy we don't really know where we're going I don't think he knows where he's going either it's a bit confusing or even the calling of Moses he had a clear calling to take the people out of captivity and back to the land of the promised uh, of the promised land that uh, God had given them and uh, his brother Aaron got caught up in all of that because Moses was a little bit uncertain and God said well Aaron can help you but remember in Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 and 9 God says my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So we can never fully fathom God's plans and ideas. We can never fully understand his ways because they're so much higher. And I guess... If we're drawn into the calling of someone else, it can even be more confusing. So, will I obey when things don't make sense? That's not just a question for the Christmas story, but it's a question that many of us face today. But in the midst of the uncertainty that Joseph would have been feeling, we find that he was obedient. Will I obey when things don't make sense? Well, from Joseph's point of view, the answer was a resounding yes. And when I look through the few references to Joseph in the Gospel, I find that there's some things in there that can help us as well. The first of those is that Joseph knew it wasn't his story, but he had connections with the author. And I think that can help us when we might feel confused, things don't make sense, it's uncertain, we're not clear on something, don't worry too much about... Story Make sure you have the connection with the author of the story. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 1 that Joseph was a descendant of Abraham and King David. And the first part of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, it goes right through from Abraham mentioning who his son was and who that son was and who the next son was, all through the generations. We finally get to Joseph. So there was a direct line from Abraham through to King David, through to Joseph, and therefore Jesus. And that would have been something that was very important and very special to Joseph, to know his family line, to know from where he came, to know who he was connected with. And for that reason, he would say, righto, I have a part to play. I know the author, I know the connections that I have. In Romans 8, verse 17, we're reminded that we are also heirs of the Father. We also have that same connection, that same royal line. And for that reason, we can trust God. We know that we are part of his plan. We have that line of, uh, of heritage. And it's too easy to get caught up in human reasoning trying to figure out and see if God is leading, where he's leading us makes sense in terms of family or job security or finances or our talents that we think we have or our future plans. But we can trust the author of the story because we have that connection. Do you know, even the story of this church is testimony to this. It may not have made sense many years ago for a small group to leave an established church and begin meeting in someone's lounge room. That didn't seem to make a lot of sense. But here is this church. It's come out of that uncertainty and God has led it. So it's not about our part in the story or whether we understand the script, but it's about knowing the author and having that special connection with him. The second thing that I see Joseph did was that he gave his perceived support role the very best. When I was 10 years old, I was in a school play. I wasn't the main character. The play was about some dwarves and the main character got his beard caught in a meat grinder. Now, many years ago, you wouldn't necessarily buy mince meat already ground and minced, but you'd buy some sort of steak, put it in a grinder, turn a handle and it would mash it up and mince would come out the other end. Whoever has seen that kind of thing? Good, I'm not the only old person here then. (laughs) No one under about 40 put their hands up then. (laughs) A meat grinder. And in this play... One of the dwarves, the main character, gets his beard caught in the meat grinder and he can't get it out. And there's all these different ways of trying to get the beard out and it's pulling and it's tugging and it's hurting him and he's grumpy and carrying on and so forth. Until finally one of the dwarves decides simply to cut the beard off, which is an absolute no-no. And the main character is absolutely horrified that his beard's been cut and it's just his short little beard now. But then they start talking about the benefits of having a shorter beard. And the other dwarfs decide that's a good idea and they all end up cutting off their beard and they all lived happily ever after. I had just one line in that play. It was a very minor role. I gave it my best to memorise it and to say it well and at the right time. And I can still remember it today. Turn the handle, grind the meat. The hungry dwarves will want to eat. That's it. That's all. That's all. But I gave it my best. And Joseph gave Mary and that whole story his very best too. You know, Joseph was personally wronged by what had happened. The fact that his fiancé had become pregnant. And by law... He could have had her stoned to death. But he chose not to go down that path. Joseph offered care and support. While not specific, we can assume that Joseph was with her, by her side, to look after her and young Jesus. But you know, he even brought something better than that to the story. There's a prophecy in Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. The Bible says, But you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distance past, will come from you on my behalf. So the prophets had foretold hundreds and hundreds of years ago that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Now the only reason that happened is because Joseph was from the town of Bethlehem and when the census was called, every person had to go back to the town of origin with their family for the census that the Romans wanted to take. And so Joseph, going back to Bethlehem, took Mary who was heavily pregnant and while they are in Bethlehem, she gave birth to Jesus. So it was Joseph's small part in the story, him giving his very best, that enabled God's word to become true. And if you feel that you have a support role in someone else's calling, the challenge is still to give it your very, very best. Because you don't know what is it in your past, in your heritage, in your life, that God needs. What little bit of information he needs from you, what little detail to bring about his purpose, to fulfill his word. And I think too often we can take a half-hearted approach in our part of the calling of God on someone else's life. Sure, I'll help out if it suits me. Isaiah says, stop bringing meaningless offerings. Malachi says, bring your full offering to the Lord. So whether we feel it's our personal and clear calling or whether it's belonging to someone else and we feel a little bit uncertain, we still have to give our best. And that was Joseph's approach. Maybe your approach isn't even half-hearted. Maybe you just want to step right out of the picture. It's not my calling. It's not my problem. I'm not even sure I agree with what that person's doing. But do you think Joseph agreed when Mary said, "Uh, Honey, I'm pregnant. I can't imagine him saying, well, that's wonderful. (laughs) Great. I don't think he agreed with it, but he knew that he had to support what was happening. Or maybe your uh, approach is even worse than that, not just standing back, but being negative and cynical of what other people are doing, mocking them or being judgmental. (laughs) If I was him or her, I wouldn't be doing that. I think it's irresponsible. How could they respond to God that way? But who are we to say what God is doing in the life of somebody else? We have no right to do that. We don't know what he's spoken to them, their calling, their personal meditation, reflection, what he's revealed to them. And we can just look at that and think, that is really strange. And I can imagine a lot of people would have thought that of Mary, but not Joseph. It wasn't his story to some degree, but he was there to give it his best. And maybe there's something about you that God needs to bring about something to pass. The third thing I see about Joseph is that he was willing to go on a journey. And sure, it was a physical journey on the way to Bethlehem. Tradition says that Mary was riding a donkey. It doesn't say that in the Bible. It's a tradition. Joseph would have been by her side. But the journey was greater than just that physical one. Can you imagine the change in Joseph's life that occurred because of what was happening to Mary? And he was prepared to travel alongside of her for the sake of the support to her. It meant changing his life. And often walking in obedience to God and being a person to support someone else's calling can be humiliating, it might bring disgrace. It can lead to adversity or public shame, and that 's hard enough when you 're certain of your own calling, and you can stand and say well i 'm facing these challenges because God has put me here, but if you 're not uncertain so you 're not certain of that, it can be even harder you 're saying to someone else, because of what God has called you to do, I will endure hardship, and I will endure challenges, and I will Walk this journey with you and support you. And I guess to a degree, Joseph had the option of bailing out and deciding, well, it's all getting a little bit too hard. Mary couldn't do that. But Joseph didn't take that option. He stayed with her. Just this last week, I uh, was watching a DVD and uh, was reminded of the story of Daniel, Old Testament, a young fellow very God fearing man who was taken into captivity and put into the service of King Nebuchadnezzar. And the person who was retelling this story emphasized how evil and wicked that society was. King Nebuchadnezzar set himself up as a god, people had to worship him and bow down. And Daniel's calling was to serve alongside the king. The king had a dream. And he couldn't understand that dream. And he asked Daniel to interpret it. And the dream wasn't one that had a happy ending for the king. The dream told that God would remove the king from his kingdom and all his power that he had. And that he would physically go and live out in the fields, be covered with the dew, eat the grass, live like a wild animal. And Daniel heard this story. But he said to the king, When he was interpreting it, I wish this dream was for someone else, for one of your enemies and not for you. Now isn't that incredible loyalty that Daniel had? Daniel, this God-fearing person, could have said to the king, well, actually it serves you right. You've really been living a pretty perverse kind of a life and it's about time. I told you God was going to get you and well, here it comes. But Daniel remained loyal and faithful and the story ends and the king actually was out in the fields for a number of, uh, of years and finally came to his senses and was restored. And at the end of, uh, of that part of the story, the king says in Daniel chapter 7, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honour the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true. And he's he able to humble the proud. So by Daniel remaining faithful and loyal, it enabled the king to get to this point. And at times when we think, I'm going to bail out, it's getting too hard for me, I'll let the other person do it alone, for whatever reason, good luck to them, I'll keep praying for them, but I'm out of here. We don't know what God's purpose is for us, and how can the story change if we stay by that person's side. The fourth thing I realised is that Joseph had the very best intentions but he made a wrong decision. He made a wrong decision. Let's read through Matthew chapter 1 starting at verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph Her fiancé was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Had he done that publicly, then she may have been stoned. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. So Joseph had made a decision already, hadn't he? He decided that he would break off the engagement. But that was the wrong decision. When things don't make sense, sometimes we can get hung up about making the right decision. And the more we get hung up, the more it's likely that we won't make a decision. But we know that not to decide is really to decide. So Joseph initially didn't make that right decision. But the Bible says that Joseph was a righteous man. And in Greek that word means conforming to God's standard. So that was his aim. His intention was to do the right thing by God. He had the right motives, but even so the right motives led to a wrong decision. And that happens time and time again in our lives, doesn't it? We think this is the best. This is what's right. This is the way to go, but it may not be the way of God. But I believe that if we are truly seeking to conform to God's ways, truly wanting to make the best decisions and live a life that pleases God, it doesn't matter if we make the wrong decision because God will redirect us to the right one. Now I'm not saying we should be blasé and carefree and just really don't care about decisions. But nor should we be too anxious. And maybe you've had times where you thought you were heading the right way but found doors were closed. I think I've shared with you before that um, many years ago when I was serving on a beach mission um, that uh, I was on the Stockton beach mission with a lot of friends and we'd be at the the beach for 10 days over January and do kids programs and so forth. And uh, one year I wanted to change and go to a different beach mission. But all the doors seemed blocked. I couldn't get away the weekend that they had their preparation weekend. And something else happened something else happened. And uh, I ended up back at the Stockton Beach Mission. Um, and I thought it was a good decision to try and head to the other one. Um, they were a smaller team. They needed more people. And the Stockton team was quite a large one and had a good, uh, good momentum going. But uh, I just couldn't get to this other one. And it was at that Stockton Beach Mission that I met Jane. So the doors were all closed because of God's purpose. So I often say we did meet overseas. (laughs) But I think it's important that we're seeking to conform to God's standard. And that was the key for Joseph. That was where his heart was. God, what is the right thing to do? It wasn't a case of actively going against God's calling. Or hearing what God was saying to him and saying, no, I'm running the other way. I'm not there. He thought he would do what's right and honourable and allowed God to direct him. And I think that's a really important clue for us when things don't make sense. Make sure our heart is right, our desire is right, and let God direct us if the decisions we make aren't the best ones. And the last thing I see about Joseph that helped him to understand this is he slept on it. As simple as that. The angel spoke to him in a dream. When he woke, he decided to take Mary as his wife. And I think that's a really important strategy. If there are times things don't make sense, don't jump in and make a hurried decision. Take time, talk with other people, Consider what God's saying, sleep on it, but be open to redirection if you find that that choice isn't the right choice. I've been referring to Joseph as a secondary player in the story, as a support person to the leading lady, but really that's not correct, is it? It may appear that way, but I don't believe God has any secondary roles. I believe that he calls all of us in some way. That calling might be to carry the baby Jesus. That calling might be to support the person who's doing that. That calling might be to start a church. The calling might be to support that person who's doing that. The calling might be to teach Sunday school faithfully for years and years and years. The calling might be to do what we can to enable that person to do their role. There's a lot of callings. Some are more obvious and upfront. Some are quieter and behind the scenes. But they're all absolutely vital. They're all important parts in God's plan. As I've mentioned too, a lot of what God does doesn't seem to make sense. But it's not just the stories and events in the Bible. Sending his son to die doesn't seem to make sense, does it? The fact that he has unfailing love for us doesn't seem to make sense. The fact that he loves us all equally doesn't seem to make sense. Sometimes we think... I'm such a sinner, God couldn't love me as much as he loves another person. That doesn't seem to make sense at times either, does it? But then, it's not our job to understand God. Our job is just to respond to his love and to the calling he has on our our lives. And if you know this love and you are an heir to the throne you know that even when things don't seem to make sense, you can trust him and follow him, that he will guide you. If you haven't yet discovered God's love, when you do, you will know that life suddenly does make sense, that there's a purpose, and you can be assured of direction as well. So, will I obey when things don't make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we have a loving God who we can trust. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love for us. Father, we thank you for your plan and purpose in our lives. And I just pray for us all that when we get to times where things don't seem to make sense, that you would give us clarity. Lord, for people right now here in this congregation or for our wider families and friends who are going through times of uncertainty. Father, we pray a sense of your peace will come upon them. Father, may our hearts be turned towards you so that we can make the very best decisions. Father, we love you and we commit our lives to you. Amen.